Well, if you have a Bible, pull it out, open to Acts chapter 16, and uh, all of you should have one of the blue sheets that were handed out as you enter today. And if you didn't get a blue sheet, raise your hand and we'll see if a host can get one out to you. Please come. It's an invitation we begin to receive from the time we're kids. Right? When we're young, it's come to my birthday party. Later in high school, it's will you come to the dance with me? And of course, later in life, every six months or so, you can count on an invitation from your dentist. Come and get your teeth cleaned and pick up some more floss to toss in the drawer. (laughs) When you get really older... It may be an invitation to come to your 20th or your 30th high school reunion and you think to yourself, you know, I think I'd rather get my teeth cleaned. (laughs) Well, today, we get to celebrate the wonder of God's Word and the good news that God has come to us. In fact, God has come to us in love. God loves us so much, He even came to us in His Son, Jesus And Jesus loved us so much, he was willing to pour out his life for us and suffer and die upon a cross for us. Literally committing and entrusting his life to God only to be raised from the dead so that we might know the hope and the joy, not only of God's love here and now, but of God's love and life with God forever. And Jesus invites us to come, even now, to experience the gift, the hope, the joy of God's promise and presence and power released in our lives. Now, even once we do come to God and welcome God into our lives, even once we seek to follow Jesus with the full devotion of our heart, life happens. (laughs) It can be hard. And we may find ourselves wondering, what is God thinking? What is God up to? What does God want of me? What is God's will for me? In which direction does God want me to go? You know, at the heart of it all, and what we see as a hallmark of Jesus' own life and faith, is a small word that's a huge reality. Trust. Trust. Even as Jesus prepared to lay down his life for us on the cross, he assured his closest followers and friends that that just the night before, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Trust. Whatever comes, come what may. Trust. Author Brennan Manning has written, a poignant and powerful book entitled Ruthless Trust, in which he writes, The splendor of a human heart which trusts that it is loved gives God more pleasure than Westminster Cathedral, the Sistine Chapel, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, the sight of 10,000 butterflies in flight, or the scent of a million orchids in bloom. Trust is our gift to God, and God finds it so enchanting that Jesus died for love of it. Today, I want us to explore what it means to respond to the invitation of God 
and to trust God each and every step of the way by looking at the first verses of Acts chapter 15. There we see Paul, the great apostle and evangelist, undertake his second missionary journey to share the good news of God's love and grace in Christ across right, the continent of, of Asia Minor. Paul has traveled with his companion Silas to Lystra, where they are joined by a young man who would become Paul's closest friend and protege, Timothy. And together, the trio would strike out, and their experience offers some some important insights and encouragements for our lives, and especially for our life with God. Let's begin reading at Acts Chapter, uh, verse, chapter 16, verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. Now, I want to lift up a couple key observations and and lessons for us today from these first verses. And the first is this. Come when God calls and trust God when the Spirit says no. Paul and his companions are on the road for Jesus. They're out sharing the good news and risking their lives to do it. And they still run into obstacles and dead ends. We don't know how. We don't know why. Did they get their directions through prayer, uh, through a, a word of scripture, through an insight from the Spirit? We don't know. But they got a no. <laughs> don't go there. And notice, in the midst of it all, they needed to trust God's sovereign wisdom and love for them, and they needed to trust the process of trial and error of being faithful and remaining faithful and taking the next steps and testing the next options along the way. Now, you may be in some difficult life situation today. In fact, take a look at the blue sheet. Did I touch on one? You know, maybe you're caught in a painful circumstance or issue that is causing difficulty and and trouble for you. You know, through the day and keeping you awake at night. Who knows what it might be? And, you know, we often face circumstances like that very differently. For instance, um, uh, Lisa and I had an opportunity uh, to talk with someone who shared just how diverse our reactions can be to the same situation. True story. He was a boy. He was a student at a middle school. And he was struggling with profound anxiety over a class project. Every student was to build a rocket and then give it a test flight at the school and get a grade. But he was utterly paralyzed by the task, utterly paralyzed. So his mom took him to the school nurse for some assistance. And the nurse invited the mother and the boy to both write out in just a couple minutes, what would you say is the worst thing that could happen? Just what can be the worst thing that would happen? Well, after a couple minutes, she asked, 
what they came up with. And the mom said, well, I guess the rocket doesn't go off and other kids laugh and he doesn't get a very good grade. She said, yeah, I can see that. Okay. And then she asked the boy. And this is what he said. Well, the rocket goes off. It breaks through a classroom window, starts the school on fire. Kids have to be rescued from the building, and the school and the parents of those kids sue us, and our family loses everything, and we end up homeless on the streets. That's what I call a worst-case scenario. And... I mean, in this room, chances are there are some of us that go to those really deep, dark places, right? And there are others of us who kind of stick to the cup half full and maybe with a little optimism. But we all face these times and circumstances and situations and wonder what in the world are we to do? How in the world are we going to get through this? And I might ask, what kinds of feelings are you going through as you consider a difficult circumstance in your life? Did I manage to outline one for you? You know, is it fearfulness? Is it anxiousness? Like that little boy. What emotions and moods, you know, are you battling day by day and in the dark of the night? And here's the encouragement of Scripture. Whatever the situation, however daunting, don't be discouraged. God says, come, I'm here, I can help. Even when what you hear is a no, I haven't left you, I haven't forsaken you. In fact, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus would say, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives, those who seek find, and those who knock, the door will be opened. Now, that's the simple English. Do you know in the Greek, the tense has this import ask and keep on asking seek and keep on seeking knock and keep on knocking don't give up on God and trust that God has not given up on you you know Lisa and I faced uh, one of these agonizing situations um um we were junior high sweethearts and uh, got married right out of college and we took a few years to enjoy graduate school and, and life together without kids and then we decided it's time let's begin and the first door we knocked on was nature and, and nature wouldn't cooperate no matter how diligently we try and it was crushing just crushing you know when you're 15 and unemployed you just look the wrong way at your you know, and boop <laughs> you know and so we just struggled with God over this and, you know, no. And so we thought, well, maybe God's calling us to adoption. So we knocked on that door. And uh, other members of our extended family have adopted from Vietnam and India. And we were really, our hearts were really drawn to India. And so we undertook that process. And it's a long, difficult process. It's tough. And we got through it. We got the stamp of approval. And we were in the waiting list only to learn that through the efforts of Mother Teresa, India had closed all international adoptions because they wanted to encourage Indian families to adopt the Indian children. 
and the time period was indefinite. But what in the world? Now what? So we knocked on the door of open adoption. And these are difficult issues to wrestle through. In open adoption, the, the birth mother gets to know you, you get to know her, and she gets to know her child, even though you're the adopted parents. Right? Well, we went through that process and application. Again, very difficult. And not only were we in the file, we got selected. And we met the young woman. She was from California. She'd come up to live with her grandmother to give her baby a chance for life. And she had chosen us uh, to be the parents. And we met her. She liked us. We signed all the papers and took on all the support obligations. And days passed. And one evening we got a call that just crushed us. A family from her church discovered what she was doing, called her and said, please let us adopt your child. Come back home. We'll pay for your college. We'll get you an apartment, a car. We can do this together. How could she say no? But it was devastating. And you know, it's at times like that, people will say, if you could just relax, you know, everything would work. And in that most crushing season of our lives, that's when at last, you know, the inconceivable happened. And, you know, just 10 months later, we welcomed our daughter, Brooke. Trust, right? Even when the Spirit says, no. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. And secondly, in these verses, we learn to come to God, to say yes to God, and trust when the Spirit says, slow, slow. Because maybe it's not a hard no. It could be a not yet, or not now, or you need to wait, or maybe there's something better. But it will take time. Sometimes it's just so important to step back and wait on God. We don't know how long Paul and Silas and Timothy hung out in Troas. We don't know. But they just kept faithfully following their next steps, got them right to the edge of the continent of Asia, looking over the waters to Europe. We don't know how long they stayed and prayed, but they took the time and waited for God to give them a clear word. You know, the scripture has great promises to those who wait on the Lord. Um, uh, and, and an unexpected thing happened yesterday. Uh, we had our council meeting, and we take time at the beginning of every council meeting uh, to uh, share in, in devotions and to take time to pray and check in with one another. And yesterday, uh, Bill Severson came in, and uh, he uh, had a little book from uh, a famous missionary named Frank Laubach. Some of you may know of him. Uh, he wrote a book uh, that was uh, titled Letters by a Modern Mystic. Now, Frank Laubach went with his wife to the Philippines uh, as a missionary, and he worked with the, the Moro people on the island of Mindanao. Uh, one of his great works there was to develop a written language for them. And over time, 
uh, over half of the Moro people learned how to read and write through his groundbreaking approach called Each One, Teach One. I mean, extraordinary. Now, he lived and served in the Philippines uh, much of his life and reached a point when uh, he experienced uh, a couple years of just deep dissatisfaction and, and disappointment and discouragement. And he decided in that time, in that very season, when things were so unclear, to undertake an experiment. Right? And his experiment was this. To call God to mind and to welcome God into his thoughts and his actions every 15 minutes or so. And it grew to every few minutes and eventually to every moment he could possibly do it. And it changed his life. Within weeks of beginning his experiment, he began to notice differences. By the end of January, the year he began, 1930, and with much still to learn about his method, he'd gained a sense of being carried along by God through the hours of cooperation with God in little things, which he had never felt before. I need something, he wrote, and turn toward it, around, and find it waiting for me. I must work, but there is God working along with me. And he discovered by March 9th of that year, this hour can be heaven. Any hour for anybody can be rich with God. And this is a portion of what Bill read uh, to us yesterday. It's from his diary, dated March or May 24th. This has been a week of wonders. God is at work everywhere, preparing the way for his work in Lanao. I shall tell you some of the wonders presently, but just at this moment you must hear more of this sacred evening. The day had been rich but strenuous, so I climbed Signal Hill back from my house, talking and listening to God all the way up and all the way back and all the lovely half hour on the top. And God talked back. I let my tongue go loose, and from it there flowed poetry far more beautiful than I ever composed. It flowed without pausing, without ever a failing syllable for a half hour. I listened astonished and full of joy and gratitude. I wanted a dictaphone, for I knew that I should not be able to remember it. And now I can't. Why, someone may ask, did God waste his poetry on you when you could not carry it home? You will have to ask God that question. I only know he did, and I'm happy he did. (laughs) Below me lay the rice fields, and as I looked across them, I heard my tongue saying aloud, Child, just as the rice needs the sunshine every day and could not grow if it had sun only once a week or one hour a day, so you need me all day of every day. People all over the world are withering because they are open toward God only rarely. Every waking minute is not too much. Sweet words. And so I invite you to consider today Take a look. What are some ways that you sense God's presence? What are some special places that you find yourself more open to God? Is it the beach? Is it taking a walk? Is it climbing a hill? Is it beautiful music? Come. Meet God there. Take it slow. I've given you a little acronym. Stop. Listen, open your heart and your life to God, and then welcome God into those circumstances you face, into your day, into your emotions. Right? 
Let God have his way with you. And finally, we come to the next stage of their journey. Verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight from, for Samothrace and the next day on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading city of the district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. Well, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come, stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Notice, it was when Paul and his companions slowed that Paul gets the vision to go to Macedonia. And take a look at that extraordinary verse 10. Now it's not they went, it is we went. And it is biblical tradition that is right there in Troas that Paul came to know and befriend the doctor named Luke and that he joined them on the journey and now we're looking at a first-hand account. He was at the harbor, he was on the ship, he set sail with Paul and Silas and Timothy. He was there. And here's the call to come when God calls and to trust God when the Spirit says, Go! When the waiting's over, let the waiting be over. Respond. Go. Like Paul, when God opens a door, go whatever the challenge or uncertainty. And know that often the call is not for you. It is for the sake of others. Now, who could have imagined... That after so many weeks of struggling and getting so many no's and not theirs and so much waiting, they land in Philippi and the first time they share the good news, a woman named Lydia says yes to God's call and invitation. She happens to be a wealthy merchant and she invites them to her home where she hosts the church that would be born there, the first church on, on the shores of Europe. Astounding. And just such things can happen when we say yes to God, we trust God, and we go. You know, it may not be across an ocean. It may be just across our street. It may be just across the hallway at our work to reach out to a colleague that's struggling and going through some hard and dark time in his or her life. But when it's time to go, trust God, go. Frank Laubach, in another of his entries, writes, There has been a succession of marvelous experiences in my friendship with God, but I've added another resolve to be as wide open toward people and their need as I am toward God. Windows open outward as well as upward. Windows open especially downward where people are in the most need. You know, today is an anniversary. It was just a year ago today that Christ Church uh, bid uh, a sad but grateful farewell to our beloved sister in Christ, Fran Hodges, 
Uh, Fran died at the age of 67. As a child, Fran uh, was born into a family of faith and came to faith in God. But later in life, because of heartache and hardships, setbacks and failures, she came to believe that she had fallen outside of God's grace. That she was utterly lost and could never be found. But a friend reached out to her and invited her, once the friendship had grown, to come to church with her. See, Fran was first a nurse and then a teacher of nurses. And this was a friend she got to meet through her profession. Well, one day in worship at St. Matthew Lutheran Church in Beaverton, in a worship setting just like this, right, God broke through that wall of her guilt and shame. I broke through that self-hatred and discouragement. And she experienced, as she said, for the first time in her life, the full measure and wonder and flood of God's grace in her life. I can remember the day it happened. And I can remember the flood of tears down her face as she came to the pastors after the worship and shared what God had done that very day. Fran came to help us begin this church, a new mission church. Uh, And her passion and devotion was a ministry called the Alpha Course. It was an introduction to the Christian faith. Why did Fran undertake it? Because her heart now was to help everyone who felt far from God to experience the grace of God. And the invitation was, come with all your doubts and questions, comes with all your setbacks and failures, come. There's acceptance here. There's welcome here. There's someone who understands you here. And it's amazing the number of people that, whose faith was reawakened or who came to faith for the first time in those courses. If Fran were here today, instead of singing in the choir, <laughs> she would say to you, come. Don't wait. Come. Respond to God's invitation. Respond to the invitation of Christ. Don't give up when you sense the no. Right? Hold on, hang on when you sense the slow. And for God's sake, for the sake of Jesus, say yes when he says go. And he invites you to come for the sake of others. Let's pray. Loving God, you have come to us, and how I pray, through the gift and power of your Spirit, you would help us come to you. Help us come to you if we have never yet welcomed Christ into our hearts as our Lord and Savior. Hear that heart cry, give us faith to welcome him and receive him and affirm him as the Lord of our lives. Loving God, if we're in the midst of a season when we're sensing a no or a slow and we're watching and waiting and hurting and hoping, loving God, Give us faith and trust and courage to carry on. And gracious God, if you have said go, if you have called us to reach out, if you've called us to take a step into some ministry that serves and helps others, help us to say yes and to go, whether it's across the street, here at church, or across an ocean. 
Lord Jesus, you are knocking at the door of our hearts. Help us to come, open the door, and welcome you in.